President Trump floated maybe delaying the presidential election because he claims that mail-in voting isn't safe and I have never heard such lies in my life. Rihanna was worried that she looked like a clown at the 2015 Met Ball and I have never heard such lies in my life. And we're talking with The Verge reporter Addie Robertson about yesterday's antitrust hearing and what it means for big tech. The date, July 30th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Hayes, I am sure you heard by now, but there were two earthquakes in L.A. yesterday. And they dose all... earthquakes? Dose earthquakes, and they all woke us up. Wait, what time? The first one is, was at like around 4.30 in the morning, and I haven't been woken up by an earthquake in a while. And it happened... Um, I'm over on the east side of L.A., but um, it happened in the valley where my parents live. And my mom was like... my I texted my mom, and she's like, it was really big. She also said her TV turned on, and I'm... What? I, th- I don't know how that works with earthquakes. So I'm blaming ghosts. Yeah. The ghosts were like, oh, man, I, I, I'm i a little rattled right now. So need to watch some TV. Every group chat I am in was all of a sudden texting. And then you immediately have to go to Twitter for the best tweet I saw was from my friend who was like, OK, remember, everyone only gets one earthquake tweet. <laughs> Make it count. <laughs> how, how big were they? What was they the- were they were actually um, it, it was only. Um, only uh, a 4.2, which is relatively low, but it's because it was so close. They're usually not this close to us. So it felt bigger. And then we had, then we had um, a bunch of aftershocks that most people didn't feel. And then we got another earthquake at 630 in the morning. That sounds terrible. I'm glad you're safe and alive. Time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. The president caused everyone online at 9 a.m. Eastern time today to go, what the fuck, as he floated a delay in the presidential election. In his tweet, President Trump continued regularly against the idea of universal voting by mail, falsely claiming yet again that it leads to fraud. But this time, he added a question to the end of his tweet. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote? Three question marks. Now, before we go further, it's important to note that this is not something that is at all the president's call. Congress sets the date of the election, and the president has no powers to change that. But that did not stop Twitter from exploding at the suggestion. Unlike some of his more out-there proposals, though, it doesn't look like Trump has much backing from his party's elected officials on this one. State Republican Party leaders have said that the election will go on as scheduled, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell confirmed that he would not be taking action to help change the date, saying that the November 3rd federal election is set in stone. Meanwhile, it turns out that the U.S. economy had its literal worst quarter ever, contracting by over 30%. So first off, this means that, yes, we are officially in a new recession, which is defined as two straight quarters of economic contraction. Congrats to all of my fellow millennials for getting back to this point. The majority of the plummet came from a sharp drop in consumer spending, as you might guess would happen during a lockdown, with spending on services taking the biggest hit. Spending on things like travel, tourism, medical care, and going to restaurants fell by 43.5% at an annual pace. And while some politicians are still hoping for a V-shaped recovery where the economy rebounds and grows to the point that previous losses are canceled out, that doesn't seem likely as coronavirus cases around the country are plateauing again. According to MarketWatch, economists are predicting around 18% growth in the economy next quarter, if we're lucky. And the New York Times published the late Representative John Lewis's last words for the country today. Lewis submitted his final essay to the Times two days before he passed away on the 17th, requesting that it be published on the day of his funeral, which took place today in Atlanta. 
In it, Lewis said that Emmett Till, who was murdered at age 14 for allegedly whistling at a white woman, was his George Floyd, sparking him to action. And he called on readers to continue to push forward with the struggle for justice after his passing, saying, quote, When you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. Democracy is not a state. It is an act. And each generation must do its part to help build what we called the beloved community, a nation and world society at peace with itself. Former President Barack Obama delivered the eulogy at Lewis's funeral several hours after that essay was published. The life of John Lewis was in so many ways exceptional. It vindicated the faith in our founding, redeemed that faith, that most American of ideas. The idea that any of us, ordinary people without rank or wealth or title or fame, can somehow point out the imperfections of this nation and come together and challenge the status quo. A beautiful eulogy mm-hmm. and powerful that he had his last essay published on the day of his funeral. Right. I mean, the fact that he had the wherewithal to be able to not just write that piece so soon before he passed, but no, like sent to send it off to have it ready to be published on the day of his funeral. That's incredible in my book. And uh, we have to talk about how Trump most definitely pinned that tweet. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. He, Despite the pushback, I went to go look for the tweet earlier when preparing the script and I couldn't find it. It's like, oh, maybe he deleted it. No, I couldn't <laughs> find it because it was out of order because it's pinned to his feed now. He's just very convinced that this is a winning move on his part. But the fact that no one in Congress seems interested in it, that no one in the state seems interested in it, it it's just so clearly because he is lagging in the polls and does not want to have to legitimize the fact that he is losing. Yeah, well, uh, if we know anything about him, he is a sore loser, so. All right, that's it for me, Casey. You're up. Please save us from the sad news. Okay, so then let's start off with Martha Stewart, who says that she's enjoying the attention she's getting from the thirst trap she posted on Instagram last week. Martha, who is somehow almost 79 years old, went viral when she posted a sultry picture of herself getting out of her pool in the Hamptons. And uh, the internet went wild. The former model told Entertainment Tonight that she didn't play in the picture, saying, quote, My camera came on backwards, you know, selfie mode, and I look so nice. The sun was on my face. I thought, oh, that looks pretty. So I took the picture. It looked good. (laughs) Once E.T. explained what a thirst trap is, she agreed, yep, that's what it was. (laughs) Stewart also told E's Daily Pop in a separate interview that she's gotten a pretty decent response from her post. I mean, have men just been blowing up your DMs? Have you been checking them at all? Oh, I've I've had 14 proposals. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what for, but there are proposals, and uh, oh. then I haven't checked. I haven't checked lately. That was the first day. Oh my god! Well, it was an it was an incredible photo. That was a mood. A, I want to look that good when I'm almost 80. <laughs> yes. And B, that picture was such a flex on so many levels. Not only did she look great, the caption was all about how amazing her pool was. I remember reading and going. Wow. Martha Stewart money. It's good. I mean, yes, it's good. Also, Martha Stewart has ridiculous captions. I suggest everyone reads all of them. They are all over the place and wonderful and bizarre. Oh, oh, oh. And also, I saw that. So Chelsea Handler had 
taken a picture that was really close to Martha's selfie that was basically parodying it. They apparently got in touch and now Martha says she's going to smoke a joint with Chelsea Handler, which is (laughs) both hilarious, but also very rude to Snoop Dogg. Like, (laughs) you've been friends with him for so long and you never had smoked a joint with Snoop? Okay, well, she should just invite Snoop over. Easy solution. Mm. The three of them can chill in her very expensive pool. Right. Very socially distant. There's <laughs> yes, a lot of room yes, on her property, yes. so they have to be nowhere near each other. <laughs> and next up, despite being one of the literal coolest humans on the planet, Rihanna still feels self-conscious sometimes, even when she's wearing one of the best dresses at the Met Gala. Rihanna has been turning heads on the red carpet for over a decade, and her near annual appearance at the Met Ball usually is a highlight of the event. Back in 2015, when the theme was China through the looking glass, she stunned everyone wearing a bright yellow off-the-shoulder coat with embroidered patterns, fur at the sleeves and hem, and a a giant train that had to be carried. But she told Access Hollywood that she was less than convinced before she got out of the car and stepped onto the red carpet. I remember being so scared to get out of that car because I felt like I'm, I'm doing too much. I was driving past the red carpet and I was just seeing like gowns and I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm a clown. Like, people are going to laugh at me. Like, this is this is like too much. As we all know, she was wrong. She looked amazing and everyone else needed to step their game up that night. And for those who are still concerned about when we're going to get her next album, Rihanna says to please be patient. She told Entertainment Tonight that she's still working on her music and will release it when it feels right, saying, quote, you're not going to be disappointed when it happens. It's going to be worth it. I want the album as much as anyone, but watching her blow up in so many different areas, I can't be mad that we've had to wait. Wait, exactly. I'm like, everyone calm down. We're getting skincare one step (laughs) at a time, okay? We all need these things. When you're listening to her next album, you will be glowing and comfortable and just be grateful. I, I, I gotta say, I'm, I was so surprised to hear that she didn't feel amazing in that yellow coat before she debuted it. The fact that she like looped the block several times before she got out. And I mean, just her outfits at the Met Gala. She always brings it when so many people don't. Back in 2018, when the theme was Heavenly Bodies, Fashion, and the Catholic Imagination, and she wore that like papal crown with this huge white cape, it, it was just stunning. Yes, it was so beautiful. I mean, but Hayes, let's be real. When cameras are on you at all times, you're mm-hmm. going to be self-conscious. So it checks True. out. <laughs> True. When we come back, we're talking to The Verge reporter Addie Robertson about yesterday's big tech hearing. Stay right there. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking In, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? 
But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something else that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then, thousands of survivors have come forward. Now I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast, me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. When you first get there, you have to experience girls screaming, locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping. And you're like, where am I? Holy heck, this is not what I expected. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Yesterday, the heads of Apple, Facebook, Google, and Amazon appeared before the House Judiciary Committee. The topic, how big is too big when it comes to the tech companies that affect our lives every single day in too many ways to count? And what, if anything, should Congress do to bring them under control? To explain what happened at yesterday's hearing, we're joined by Addie Robertson, who is a senior reporter at The Verge. Good afternoon. Hi. So just how big a deal was this hearing? This is a big deal in its own right and part of a just long-running, very big deal for the past year. So the House uh, Congress has been holding a bunch of antitrust hearings. They've been gathering just hundreds of hours of interviews, huge numbers of documents. And this was the first time they had gathered all four really big tech company CEOs in a room to answer questions. It's also Jeff Bezos's uh, first time in Congress. So it was. there are a few reasons that this is a pretty important hearing. So the purpose was to look into whether any of these companies were trying to form monopolies and box out competition, basically. Did we learn anything new on that front? A lot of this was just kind of making points at companies. And uh, a lot of the questions the CEOs just didn't really have a lot of time to answer. But we did learn a few new things. Um, one of the big reveals was they've had a bunch of documents and they released them and they showed this string of communication with Mark Zuckerberg while they were talking about acquiring Instagram, where it sort of implied that they were looking to find a competitor, they were worried about it, they wanted to acquire it and integrate its features, and that was going to backfoot anybody else and sort of suppress competition. And then Kevin Seistrom was worried about uh, Facebook going into, quote, destroy mode if he didn't sell. So it wasn't something that would be hugely shocking for Facebook to do, but it was a kind of very clear, concrete example of one of the criticisms that's been laid at Facebook's feet. A moment from the hearing that went viral was when Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio seemed to take offense when Representative Mary Gay Scanlon asked that they stay away from fringe conspiracy theories. 
Thank you, gentlemen. I'd like to uh, redirect your attention to antitrust law rather than fringe conspiracy theories. Uh, Mr. Bezos, our investigation... Mr. Chairman, uh, we have the email. There is no fringe... Excuse me. your time. Jordan, you do not have the time. Please be respectful of your colleague. She controls the time. Put your mask on. What exactly are those theories that were referenced? So there was a very long-running thread of uh, just Republicans trying to take tech companies to task for broadly censoring conservatives, just this very long laundry list of complaints. That specific moment, um, he had asked for a promise that Google wasn't going to try to throw the election to Biden. Um, And he was referencing a leaked message from 2016 that showed uh, internally Google had been working with a Latino get out the vote project, which Republicans have taken to mean Google was trying to throw the election to Clinton because they believed that uh, Latinos weren't going to support Trump, etc. The things he was kind of talking about in general is just, oh, yeah, is uh, Google going to configure its features to make Biden win? Um, There wasn't really a lot of firm from facts there. Yeah, I, I've, in watching some of the hearing clips go around on Twitter, it seemed like a lot of the complaints were things like, well, why aren't you pushing conservative articles to the top of Facebook's feed and things of that nature? How did the companies react when faced with uh, those sort of claims? There were a few moments that just where they just seemed a little bit incredulous, like a moment where um, Mark Zuckerberg was asked about Twitter moderation. Uh, they confused uh, Donald Trump Jr. getting briefly suspended from Twitter with a Facebook moderation decision. But largely, they just held to this general line, which is, look, misinformation on our platform is bad. If you say something that is causing imminent health harm, we're going to take that down. Um, a lot of it's, it's these complaints that we have heard over and over again. And so it's pretty easy for them to just hold a line. So if you had to grade them, who among the CEOs performed the best at the hearing and who performed the worst? So this is complicated by the fact that they had really uneven challenges. So um, a lot of people have pointed out Tim Cook got off really comparatively lightly. He had a few hard lines of questioning around curation of the App Store, but he didn't get a lot of moments where he seemed where he had to really go on a hard defense. And so he came off as being very measured, um, was generally he could explain, okay, here's exactly why we did this thing. And maybe you don't buy it, but it ended up seeming fairly reasonable. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, um, this was obviously far from his first time in front of Congress. He, This was also one of his better performances, but he was just facing a lot of questions that were fairly hostile, that were of statements that he had made verbatim, that he had to just kind of repeatedly say, okay, look, you're characterizing this the wrong way. I wasn't actually threatening anybody. It came off as being more defensive than explanatory. Um, Jeff Bezos also faced a lot of difficult questions because they spoke to a bunch of sellers who have pretty painful stories of trying to make their livelihood on a platform that's really big and impersonal. But he also managed to come off as being much more humble than I think he's often painted as. He, He came off as just being fairly down to earth and willing to accept criticism, even if sometimes it also ended up seeming like he didn't totally know what was going on on his platform. Several conservative and libertarian groups have said that the hearings were less about antitrust concerns and more about pushing for tech companies to take up progressive agendas. Is there any truth in that belief? 
So there were a couple lines of questioning, mostly directed at Mark Zuckerberg, about the Stop Hate for Profit campaign, which is a large boycott um, of Facebook by advertisers claiming that it's just not doing enough to fight hate speech. And so to that extent, yes, but I think it was much less prominent, for one thing, than the criticism of companies having conservative bias. Like, that was something that could push much, much more than companies not being progressive enough. And beyond that, I mean, company regulation in general is seen as kind of a progressive concern. And so if you take it on those terms, then the hearing is, you could claim it's sort of inherently progressive. Um, but that's also just, that's what an antitrust hearing is. So after this hearing, is there any indication that you've seen that we'll get new legislation to regulate these tech companies? So they're going to produce a report that's later this year that gives actual next steps. Um, we don't know what those are, but there was a lot of very harsh rhetoric directed at them. This ended with a summary that, look, these companies clearly have monopolies. Some of them may need to be broken up. All of them need to be somehow regulated. And so it seems like they're at least setting a really strong tone for some kind of changes. They also made a really big deal out of trying to establish the patterns that they should be trying to regulate rather than just saying, okay, Facebook did a thing that's bad. They talked generally about laying out these companies all use their massive data operations to suppress competition. And the issue is that consumers are being denied choices, which is a little bit different from how antitrust law typically works, which is typically it is about trying to prove that there is some kind of very specific consumer harm. And so it seems plausible that they're going to try to be pushing beyond that and that we could see that later this year. Well, I am very curious to see what that's going to wind up looking like. And Addie, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're talking to Latif Nasser, host of the forthcoming Netflix show, Connected. And remember, always keep a pair of shoes next to your bed in case of an earthquake. No, seriously, do it. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarms so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock Originals Bel Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Damn! Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock, Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.